three, two, one. From down in the dirty bird. Oh my goodness gracious. The only mustard buzzard podcast on the planet. This is Buzzardry. Here are your hosts, Ben Milam and Patrick McGee. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Buzzardry. It is Monday night, March 28th at the time of this recording. It was a good week for Southern Miss baseball. My name is Ben Milam. I'm here with my partner, as always, Patrick McGee. Pat, how you doing? Glad to be on on this Monday night. Well, like I said, we'll get into baseball. A couple of housekeeping things before we get started. As always, we are sponsored by Big Goal Nation com the premier inside source for all things Southern Miss Athletics. BigGoldNation.com, be sure to check them out. Uh, the other thing is we just finished recording an episode with the JMU Sports Blog with Todd and Rob and had a lot of fun. We're going to put that out on our feed, and uh, we'll direct you all to their uh, feed as well. They put out some really good stuff. Future Sunbelt Conference made. Had a really great conversation with those guys. Uh, so be sure to check that out. We'll tweet that out. Um, on Twitter and uh, multiple facets, you'll be able to, to find that uh, pretty easily. Uh, so we'll roll right into uh, baseball, Pat. Uh, UNO is the midweek game we talked about in Western Kentucky. We talked about uh, that last week, obviously, and, and how it was important to build on sort of the bounce back week you had uh, the weekend against Florida Atlantic, winning that initial conference series in four winnable games. Uh, the midweek, you felt like you were going to be challenged a little bit um, against UNO. And we also talked about the bats and how you felt like at some point it would, uh, the offense would kind of break open. And I, I think uh, suffice it to say it broke open. Uh, I think the first instance of that was uh, against UNO in a 12-8 victory. Uh, let's look at that in a little bit of detail, Pat. Yeah, so UNO, you win 12-8, and uh, Blake Wehunt got the start. It was his first appearance of the year, uh, first time we've seen him since that Oxford Regional last year. And uh, he struggled some, went one and two-thirds, uh, gave up five runs. Uh, three of those were earned. Um, so, yeah, you got down uh, early, you down 5-2 after two, you get down 6-3 after three. Uh, but you get back into it, Chris Sargent hits a home run, and obviously we'll talk about him. He had a huge week, yep. but he has a three-run home run there in the sixth to tie it up. Uh, Dickerson has a double there in the sixth to make it 7-6. to six. Uh, Then you have a four-run seventh uh, to kind of break it open there a little to make it 11-6, and uh, you, you hold on after that. But um, you get home runs, Pato, Sargent, Wilkes uh, all hit uh, dingers. You get seven extra base hits. Um and then you got good relief performances. Etheridge came in, covered two and a third, only gave up one run. And then I guess kind of the big story on the pitching side of things, you had Isaiah Rhodes pitch really well, yeah. four-plus. Uh, gave up two runs there uh, toward the end, but the overall pitch real well. Yep. Um, only walked one, eight Ks, so he had the swing and miss going. So, um, yeah, you get behind early, but you get the bats going, bullpen pitch well, and uh, it was a good midweek win. It really was, and it was, it was a win – Against a, a pretty good baseball team, like you said, um, kind of a fringe top 100 team. And to get those spots in your lineup, like Chris Sargent and Slade Wilkes, who's been hitting it well, but just not for power, to get uh, – that was his first home run, correct? Against yes, UNO, yes. yeah. And really got them going, as we'll talk about this weekend. Um, and, I, yeah, just to touch on Isaiah Rhodes, I mean, it's – this bullpen is is an embarrassment of riches to have a guy who, who you really didn't see through the first two or three weeks – 
you know, kind of emerge as another option, uh, I think, late in games where that you can really rely on and, and has some funky stuff, a different slot that you can go to in some matchup situations. Uh, you feel, if possible, even better about your bullpen after Isaiah Rhodes has thrown really well the last uh, couple of outings. So you move into the weekend, second conference series against Western Kentucky. First series on the road up in Bowling Green. I think this is kind of true of the UNA, UNO game uh, as well. It's sort of kind of trap game-ish feel, trap series-ish feel, where you're on the road, not great environments. But that UNO game was rescheduled when it was 4 o'clock on a Wednesday. Um, so to, to come out and play really well in this series, particularly offensively, was a really, really good sign to me. Uh, so let's look at them one by one. 10-8 is the win on Friday. And it was sort of maybe similar story to the UNO game, kind of gave up a few late. Um, so that it was, I feel like it was, you know, a bigger victory than maybe the score finally indicated. But Tanner Hall came out, second Friday start was really good, Pat. Yeah, so Hall, uh, he started, went seven and two-thirds, gave up five runs, and um, I guess all but, all but, or four of those were, um, or five runs, four earned. Yeah. Um, and then the eighth innings were things kind of came on a little bit, but right. um. He, uh, yeah, yeah, nine hit, gave up nine hits, but didn't walk anybody at nine K. So he had the swing and miss going, but yeah, it was kind of cruise control. You're up eight to one, headed to the bottom of the um, bottom of the eighth, and WKU strings a bunch of hits together uh, to get it to eight to six. So you know, uh, game's in danger at that point. Then you get two runs there in the ninth uh, for insurance. And you think, all right, well, you know, we're gonna bring in you know Ramsey there, and he'll be able to close the door, but then. Uh, WKU had bases loaded there, 10-6 with one out. They had uh, Ty uh, Batisic, um, who was their leading home run hitter, a guy we talked about. He had seven home runs. Uh, you know, he could be the freshman of the year, so you're thinking, uh-oh, right. this could be bad. You know, he's got a chance to tie the game. But you already get him on a fielder's choice, although I th- the thing was a, um, I wasn't able to watch, but I think it might have been a botched double play uh, where he got it on the fielder's choice. But <clears throat> might have been a bad throw, so two run scores. So it was 10-8. Uh, but then you get the final out to win. Uh, to win. Uh, so yeah, um, Harper, yeah, Harper came in, um, get those last two outs after, um, Ramsey got into some trouble. Um, so yeah, it, it was a good win. Um, you know, obviously bullpen, you maybe leave Hall in a little bit too long, uh, bullpen struggle a little bit, but, uh, you know, offense continues to, uh, click in that game just like it did at UNO and, uh, like it did uh, later in the weekend, you're able to uh, start off uh, the weekend on a good note. Yeah, you certainly did. Uh, I mean, Tanner Hall, like you said, was was really good until he, he was trying to get that final out in the eighth inning and, and might have left him in there for a few too many batters. Um, and, you know, Garrett Ramsey, you, you know, there were some people complaining about, because I, I guess this is, like I said, it was similar to the UNO game where, oh, this team can't close out games, uh, you know, or there's shaky finishes. Well, I mean, you did close it out, and you have a deep enough bullpen to where if a guy doesn't have it like Garrett Ramsey didn't, you can pretty quickly go to somebody like Landon Harper or, you know, any other of the seven or eight guys you feel like could shut down an offense uh, and and get the last two outs like Harper did. So uh, some encouraging things there, even with some of those unforced errors and uh, just a, a two-run victory. And then you really roll in the next two games, Pat. Yeah, you do. You win on Saturday 14-2. And um, Riggins started, uh, I guess it was um, probably, I guess, had to be a shortest outing in the year. Yeah, really definitely. Uh, three and two thirds gave up two runs. Both of those earned, but uh, offense really uh, hit the baseball well um, on Saturday. You get a three-run home run there from Sargent in the first. 
And Sardi comes back, hits another home run in the third. You get a home run from Wilkes, uh, and you're up 6 nothing. Um, there, Ewing has an RBS single as well um, in the fourth. Um, and then you, you get in a little bit of trouble. Riggins is pulled there in the fourth. But Rhodes gets you out of the jam. Um, and then, so yeah, you, you get to the seventh inning. It's still six to two, and but then you put um, eight runs there in the last three innings. Mm-hmm. Um, and Dalton Rogers came in pitched very well. Didn't give up. Yeah. Uh, he was perfect through three innings. Had six Ks, uh, and you win fourteen two. So yeah, like we said, Sargent had two home runs. Wilkes had two home runs. McGillis had a home run. Uh, so yeah, pitched well. Bullpen came in and uh, really uh, kind of. Didn't give them a chance, and uh, offense continued the power surge. So, yeah, another good I, win. Yeah, a few bigger picture thoughts. Um, just we'll get through the the game, uh, the third game first. If you want to hit that one, yeah. So, um, game three went eleven nothing. Uh, Waldrip goes seven innings. I mean, this is you know his best. We've talked about Ken Waldrip. Can he go six or seven innings? And he did it. I yep. mean, he he could have gone longer. Yep. Uh, I was about to say he could have gone eight or nine, but yeah, he does go the um seven innings. Um. Didn't give up any runs. Only gave up three hits. No walks. 13 Ks. And this was a game that was over pretty quickly. Uh, Wilkes hit a, a three-run home run in the first. You got three nothing. Uh, you get a couple more. Uh, you get a home run there in the second um, from Sargent. McGillis uh, hits a home run there in the third, and you're up nine to nothing after three. And it was just kind of never a game. Waldrop uh, kept them from doing much of anything. Um, and the offense built up enough of a lead where um, it was never in danger at all. So, yeah, a uh, good Sunday win. Nothing, nothing really to complain about at all. <laughs> Not at all. Uh, and, and this question was posed, I think, in several different places. Uh, Western Kentucky is – not just a horrible baseball team, but they're not a great baseball team either. either. Uh, so, seeing those offensive numbers, Pat, and, and obviously it's a, a welcome sight, you know, as slow as the offense was uh, before this week, um, regardless of, of the level of pitching, I think. I mean, it's a conference opponent either way. But how much of that do you think was Western Kentucky pitch? I mean, how much can you take away from the offensive performance, I guess, because it was Western Kentucky? Yeah, well, I think, I mean, you go back kind of earlier in there, you play a team like a Jacksonville State, which is probably comparable uh, to Western Kentucky, and you know, you know right. you're hitting it nearly as good against them. Sure. So I think um, a little bit of competition, a little bit. I think the offense is starting to find um, find their way, and this is typically the time of the year when the offense starts to find its way, usually that fifth and s- fifth or sixth week of the season. I mean, you go back uh, to 2019 uh, where the offense kind of struggled first four weeks and then fifth week of the year. We go a lot of tech sweep them, and we really hit it well. You, you know, you go back to last year, yep. first five or six weeks, we aren't hitting it well. And then by, you know, kind of the sixth or seventh week, we are. We're starting to really hit the ball. Yep. Um. So, it, it, if you just go by years past, this is when the offense, the lineup started to come alive. And uh, I think, uh, I'm hoping this is the start of that. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, certainly did not play great competition. But, you know, I mean, you kind of go back to Sunday, and they – at WKU, I was thinking, well, they're throwing a kind of a crafty lefty. This is the kind of guy that's giving us fits, and, you know, we put nine runs up on him and two right. in a third inning. Um, so you really shelled that guy. So, yeah, I mean, just kind of saying it again, but a little bit of competition, but a little bit is I think the offense is starting to get it going, and uh, hopefully we'll see that continue in La Tech. Yeah, I think you're right. In, in a week, even if the, the competition level was a little bit lower, the pitching – you know, this it's huge to get a confidence boost uh, for your offense, really up and down the lineup. I mean, the really, I think I think you saw the potential of this lineup, like we talked about last week. But you could, you, I think you could argue that the lineup has even more potential. I mean, Gabe Montenegro is is still pretty cold, and you'll get uh, hopefully Blake Johnson back within in the next two or three 
weeks at some point. And so, I mean, the offense has uh, potential to be even better than it was in these last four games, and that's uh, that's pretty encouraging. I mean, you have on our notes Sergeant Wilkes, Dickerson, McGillis, all over a fourteen fifty OPS, which is mind-boggling. Yeah, like it was Barry Bonds 2004-type numbers yeah. right there. So I guess, yeah, we can just run through those real quick. I mean, Dickerson – uh, hit 632, 682, 842. <laughs> Good gracious. Uh, Sergeant at 600, 600, 1500. Of course, which is kind of funny. It's kind of on brand that uh, he had a, 21 o- a 2100 OPS but without drawing a walk or a head by pitch. Yep. Um, I guess I didn't say Dickerson. Dickerson had a 1524 OPS. Uh, Wilkes at 500, 550, 1500 for a 2050 OPS. And then McGillis at 444, 474, 1000 for a 1474 OPS. So, yeah, those are the four guys that, I mean, just between those guys, kind of carried your offense. Yep. Uh, this week and those all those I mean really in a normal week all four of those guys could have been conference hitter of the week ended up going to sergeant yeah um, but all of those guys really had outstanding weeks at the plate for sure yeah and I think to me I mean Dickerson Wilkes and McGill's none of those guys were hitting it poorly I mean Dickerson's been hitting it well the last three or four weeks and really has not hit it poorly uh, since the beginning of the season and McGillis, you know, it has has kind of been up and down a little bit. And we've talked about how he's a, he's a streaky hitter. But when he finds it, he is, you know, he can really carry the offense. Um, but I, I think the biggest deal to me is Chris Argent and Slade Wilkes. I mean, those guys, especially back-to-back mm-hmm. in the lineup where they protect each other, you can't pitch around them and have have the potential to, to win you some games by themselves, I think. I mean, they, they have that kind of power – and it's what we've been waiting for with Slade Wilkes. We know Chris Sargent has, has had that power. I mean, he did that in the conference tournament last yeah. year. He really carried the offense, and Slade Wilkes has that type of ability. And, man, with both of those guys are swinging it like they swung it in these last four games, this is, uh, you know, not – I don't want to get too ahead of ourselves, but this is going to be a really scary team in postseason play if you can hit to this level. Yeah, you know, we kind of talked about the last two-thirds of last year. I mean, you had an OPS as a team over 900. Right. I mean, um, you maybe as a whole over the season, the OPS wasn't where we want to have it. Sure. Just because of that slow start. But, I mean, the last two-thirds of the season, you had a very good lineup. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you kind of look at a guy like Sargent. He was a guy that hit 16. I was running the numbers. He hit, So, he's hit 16 home runs last year. And so, if he keeps it on this pace and count, and if you count like conference tournament games and regional games, he would hit 21 home runs this year. Um, and then if he does that again next year, he would tie Matt Walner's career mark on home runs because he would be at 58 home runs. He would yeah. have 16 last year. And then, you know, you were saying he would have 21 um, and 22 and then uh, 21 and 23. I mean, that's obviously easier said than done. Sure. But, you know, when, you know, every now and then he'll run into a cold stretch and then he's kind of you know, like Miguel is kind of streaky hitter. But when he starts hitting those home runs, they seem to go in bunches. I mean, he'll hit four or five on a weekend. Yep. And um, you really carry the lineup. And then uh, Wilkes, you know, we're kind of wondering when he was going to start uh, hitting home runs because he had been hitting doubles, and it felt like as soon as he got that first home run to kind of get the monkey off his back and you'd start seeing yep. some more home runs, and that's what happened. Uh, you know, we hit four home runs, or was it five? Five. Five home runs, yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you look at – I mean, between Sargent, Wilkes, and McGillis, those are all going to be double-digit home run guys, you think. And then, you know, like you were saying, I mean, Montenegro, he's below 600 in OPS, which is kind of shocking. Right. Um, so if you just think he's going to positively regress, you would think just based on his track record, that would be, you know, a huge boost. Even yes. a guy like Danny Lynch, you know, he hasn't been hitting up sure. his potential yet. And those are probably your two, coming in this year, uh, those were two your more, uh, or probably your two most proven, uh, hitters. Right. Um, and those are kind of the b- bottom of, uh, the lineup in terms of OPS. So, 
you're getting production from guys that I mean, all the I mean, Wilkes, Miguel, Sargent, um, and Dickerson. I mean, I guess Wilkes hadn't been as private as those other guys just because he played the full season. But um, you're getting production from guys that you you know you're thinking are going to be a big part of the lineup and maybe not necessarily kind of being the cornerstones of the lineup. Sure. Uh, but you, when you're getting production for those guys, it's just going to make it. Um, you know, line up even better if you get uh, Montenegro and Lynch going. So, yeah, we talked. To, we mentioned it last week of the, sort of the batting average you're kind of shooting for. Which I mean, you know, I, I don't know if we set it. We've probably set a batting average, pretty overrated statistic. But it, you know, the the batting average we have said is what you're kind of shooting for, paired with this pitching staff to be pretty good is right around 280, and I think. T- you were around 260-ish coming into this weekend series. Yeah, like 261, maybe. Something like that, yeah. Um, but with with the offensive output in this series, I think you're right around 280 now. And that's without Gabe Montenegro hitting it well. And like you mentioned, Danny Lynch, without a Blake Johnson in the lineup to give Rodrigo Montenegro, who has not been hitting it poorly at all. He's He's – you know, been 300 plus the last 13 games, which is incredibly impressive with all the innings he has caught. And so you would think that Rodrigo's bat would improve once Blake comes back. And again, expect Gabe uh, and Danny to to improve uh, from this point. And so, and yet it, it's um, it's this is a, I kind of another look. I think we've seen the potential, like we talked about, of this team um, when you had that week of. Uh, the Mississippi State, South Alabama, two-lane midweek wins, and the Lafayette series win. This was kind of another different look, maybe, at the ceiling of this team. I think you got a glimpse of that a little bit, um, and it's a it's a high high ceiling. Anything else on this past week, Pat? Yeah, I guess just a couple more stats. Uh, so team hit three seventy five, four forty four, seven thirty one was the slash. That's one one seven five OPS. Whew. 30 extra base hits, you only had 51 through the first 20 games. <laughs> you had 13 home runs, you only had 16 uh, through the first 20. And honestly, I just want to say, we've been talking about um, just the hitting, which was great. But honestly, I'm, I mean, there's some parts of the pitching that I'm almost more excited about because you look at a guy like Waldrop, finally yeah. got over that, I guess, yes. got past five innings. Um, He looked really good. I saw a tweet from uh, Carlos Calazzo, I think is his name, Baseball America writer, and he was saying that, uh, Waldrop was on like their top 50 college prospects for 2023 or top 100 uh, for 2023. I don't know where he was ranked as paywall, but I mean, that's your Sunday guy. And, you know, he's got a chance to go day one or at least early day two in 2023. And then also Dalton Rogers. I mean, that was yeah. really impressive. That's yep. another guy we've talked about pitched in Cape Cod. Uh, he's like a top 150 um, college prospect by D1. Uh, so another big time uh, arm of the bullpen that can be a real X factor for us. And he pitched um, very well. So those were um, kind of just Waldrop and uh, Rogers. That was very encouraging to see them pitch as well as they did. So yeah, uh, we talked about the ups and downs of college baseball season. Now, uh, you, you are now on one of those upswings a little bit, and that is a big deal as you go into a really big weekend that we we really probably don't have to introduce all that much. I mean, it's it's Louisiana Tech obviously, and I mean we mentioned it. I think in the fall preview of that this was probably going to be, or I guess it wouldn't be in the fall preview, the preseason preview. Uh, this was going to be, you know, one of, if not the defining series in conference play uh, as they come in, I would say probably right about where we thought they would, 18-6. and 5-1 in conference play have played really well, especially these last few weeks uh, after kind of a, a bumpy uh, 
week or two there at the beginning of uh, conference play, at the end of non-conference. Um, you know, it's a top 40 team in just about every metric, and it's actually uh, the 100th year that you have played. Last time we played, or first time we played Louisiana Tech was in 1922, so wow. 100 years. How about that? Yeah, how about that? And it, it'll be, uh, thankfully, in Hattiesburg, it's going to be a great weekend, spring game weekend. It's going to be high energy all the way around. You're going to see a lot of the same faces that uh, got really tired of, of seeing <laughs> last year. And those guys uh, those guys really want to beat us just as bad as we want to beat them. Uh, it's going to be – I mean, it, it, it's you've, you've said it several times. It's going to be a fantastic college baseball atmosphere. And a series, not to mention the win-loss column, a series you really need to win if you want to have um, solidify – your at-large position and, and have a chance to be in the host conversation. Yeah, it is. And not to mention, you know, conference um, standings and the, you know, just the regular season race. But sure. Uh, yeah, so they're, they're 33 in RPI. They're uh, 32 in Massey. We're 30 in RPI, 35 in Massey. So, yeah, both teams just split by a couple spots and I guess those two uh, major uh, metrics. But, yeah, they're off to a good start. Um, they swept FIU last weekend. It was about a, they swept FIU about as bad as we swept WKU. I think they might have won all three games by double digits um, in terms of runs. So, um, so yeah, um, eight eighty four OPS is a team hitting two eighty four batting average, uh, three eighty two ERA is a team one twenty WHIP, and then uh, the rotation they, they tinkered with a little bit, uh, but I mean certainly Friday night you're going to see Jonathan Fincher. He's oh yeah. a, he's a lefty. Uh, kind of a crafty guy, but I mean, he was a guy last year. You remember kind of watching him the first couple of innings, he was like 84 to 86. I'm like, this, this guy, he doesn't have much. And then by the time the sixth and seventh inning rolled around, he was like, wow, he's already, he's in the low 90s now. So yep. he, he got stronger That's as the game. Too. Yeah. yeah, he got stronger as the game went on, but he has 319 ERA, 116 whip, and he's had pretty good starts. He had a rough outing at UTSA, but every other start, uh, he, he's been good. And uh, he has four walks over 36 Ks and 31 innings. And you'll see Cade Gibson. Uh, probably on Saturday, he's a lefty with good numbers. I think he had started as their midweek guy, um, but he's moved into a weekend role. He's a 262 ERA, a .84 whip, uh, six walks over 40 Ks and 34-plus innings, so another good uh, walk-to-strike ratio there. And then uh, Sunday, they had Ryan Jennings in the rotation, but last weekend they threw Jarrett Wharf, um, who's a righty, a 646 ERA, 161 whip. He was in the rotation last year. Yep. Uh, not quite as good. Walk to strikeout ratio, 16 walks, 23 Ks, and 23 plus innings. So yeah, you're gonna see two lefties in that uh, that rotation. In terms of bullpen, Ryan Jennings, he's got a big fastball, kind of low to mid 90s fastball. He'd start the um, start the year in the rotation. Looks like he's kind of moved uh, to the bullpen, kind of like Etheridge for us. Uh, and then, but their big, uh, their closer stopper, who was uh, kind of came on at the end of last year. I mean, they're kind of. Used him like he had a rubber arm there uh, toward the end of the yeah. year in the conference tournament and into the regionals. But a Kyle Krigger, and he's off to a very good start uh, in 2022 as a .84 ERA, .84 whip, uh, five walks over 27 Ks and 21-plus innings. So he's a guy you're definitely going to see there in the bullpen at least once, maybe even twice, depending on how the games go. So um, La Tech lineup uh, anchored by um, Taylor Young, who was has a um he has a twelve seventy um OPS. We were just trying to confirm this and look it up. He, he actually played with a broken hand right now. He <laughs> he uh, broke it against UTSA down for a ball and he's just playing through it. Uh, so that's kind of crazy. Apparently he he had broken it earlier in the fall, so it may not be a severe break for him to play. But uh, 
Either way, he's he's having a good year. And the Cole McConnell, he has a 1079 OPS. Phil Matulia, he's got a big uh, lefty bat there. Corner outfield, he has 949 OPS. You remember, uh, you have Steel Nutterville, oh, uh, yeah. George Corona. Both of those guys have five home runs. Uh, so, yeah, um, they're going to put three or four lefties in the lineup uh, just going off what they did last week. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's a lot of the same guys. I mean, they returned basically every arm, uh, every meaningful arm they had. Uh, I think about you know six of their nine guys from their lineup last year. So, I think, you know, me included, I kind of thought, like, yeah, you know, they're going to take a step back and they lost a bunch of guys. But they really returned yep. most of their production from last year. So, uh, it's a good club. Uh, they're in position right now, you know, to be a regional team just like we are. Yes. So, it, it should be a very fun uh Series this weekend, yeah, and I I think they, I think it's a big deal that the offense got going this past past week. Obviously, you know it, it's going to be a big deal regardless of of who you're playing to get that kind of confidence going. But I think especially against La Tech, they're going to really press the pitching staff because they swing it really well up and down the lineup, and there's just not a lot of holes. Uh, you, you mentioned three or four lefties. It's uh, you know, pretty pretty uh, balanced lineup in a lot of ways. I mean, there's some power in there, and guys who who hit for contact are going to get on base any way they can and, and do it really efficiently. And so, you're going to have to swing it well, I, I think, because it, it's going to be similar to a lot of the games last year, where there are going to be big innings for both sides, and the games are never. Re- never really feel like they're over, you know. No, I mean, I, look, just look at those. How many one-run games were it? Like seven well, of eleven or something yes, like that. Yes, exactly. And then you were up what eight to nothing in one of those conference yes. tournament games, <laughs> and they obviously came all the way back and it went to extra innings. And yeah, so I, I I'd expect three games that are pretty closely contested and going to take a lot out of you. I mean, it's you know, I, I, one of the things to look at I think is Rodrigo Montenegro and and how he holds up behind a plate massive deal that you don't have a midweek game this week and get can get him off his feet uh, can get everybody off their feet but especially Rodrigo and, and really be rested up um, LaTeX has you know uh, could be a, a midweek game where they're kind of pressed I guess Dallas Baptist we'll talk about that um, but yeah you're really glad this one is at home it's going to be a lot of fun and that's uh, that uh, those are kind of the Keys, I guess I mentioned uh, Rodrigo, and you got to swing it really well, and um, you got to have uh, good starts um, for out of your starters to get some length out of them uh, to not really press into your bullpen too much early. Uh, it'd be a big deal to have them, you know, mostly fully loaded going into that Sunday game, uh, where you know you is typically more of an offensive game. So, yeah, Pat, any any keys to this weekend series that you can find? Yeah, I guess keys is just getting maybe getting in their bullpen. Yeah, because uh, it's a pretty thin, from what I can tell. I mean, Krieger, he's a really good closer. Uh, then you got Jennings, but you know, if you can get some of those guys, you can knock out Jennings and you make him use Krieger a bunch and go to some sure. of those. You know, kind of use him up. Go to some of those other guys that haven't pitched as much. That'd be big because um, I feel like we would have the advantage um, in the bullpen. So yeah, that's kind of the thing. And um, yeah, it, it's gonna be. Um, it's going to be great atmosphere, like you said. I mean, it'll probably have a real chance at uh, breaking the um, the weekend attendance record that was set uh, in that Mississippi State series in 2018. So yeah, this is this is maybe the defining series of the year. Uh, yeah. I mean, yeah. I don't want to be hyperbolic, but this is a series. Uh, you know, we kind of talked about maybe not the. I mean, I think Dallas Baptist is the best team you're going to play on the weekend. Yes. But the most important series you're going to play on the weekend, it's probably going to be this one, just yeah. in terms of La Tech is, um, you know, top 40 team, top 30 type team. 
Uh, going to be a big RPI weekend. Going to be a big weekend to determine who finishes first in Conference USA in that regular season race. Yeah. Um, and then you factor in the kind of the history from last year. Um, so it's going to be a um, you know really fun weekend, kind of reminiscent of those uh, kind of old series against like Tulane from sure. uh, back in the 2000s, early 2010s. So. Yeah. And just like any other weekend series, I think especially in a rivalry, three-game set like this would be a really big deal to get that first game on Friday. Yes. Uh, Jonathan, Jonathan Fincher I mean, talked about how good he's been. He's he's certainly got the potential um, to hold down your bats. I mean, he he was really in control of us in that first game in the conference tournament last year. And so to, to get him off the bump, um, you know, early if you can, earlier than he has, uh, you know, just don't let him get deep I think would be would go a long way to that. If you can get that Friday game, you feel a whole lot better going into uh, Saturday and Sunday. I feel like there's more to talk about, uh, but there's also – it's kind of just cut and dry. This is a really good baseball team. Yeah. It's going to be a lot of fun. And, yeah, be there if you can. Get your tickets early, like John Cox said a whole lot last weekend. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I feel like we can go into, like, a whole preview. I mean, it's, yeah, it is, like you said, it's kind of cut and dry. Like, this is uh, – it's kind of like a Red Sox 2003-2004 Red Sox-Yankees yeah. uh, type of duel. So, uh, Except the uh, the uh, Red Sox are going to the NL the next year, and they're never going to play a Yeah, they're going to the NL East, and the, the Yankees are going to the AAA International League. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, so you won't see these guys on a weekend, at least for some time, um, it, you know, obviously in conference play. So it'd be, uh, Bill, be real nice to, to get this series, and, uh, you know, you, you – probably can assume that you'll see them in the conference tournament. It's usually just how things work out. Usually find a way uh, for us to play them. So big one this weekend. No other way to shake it. Uh, Got to get two out of three, and uh, it's going to be tough. So come on out to the Pete. We'll see you out there. We'll both be out there. And you know, set it for. I'll say it for the hundredth time. It's going to be a whole lot of fun, Pat. It is. All right, let's, uh, let's take a brief look around what happened in the league and a few of those non-conference games this past week. Yeah, so uh, MTSU took two out of three at UAB. Uh, a lot of tech, like we talked about, swept FIU in dominant fashion. Uh, Charlotte took two out of three at ODU. That was kind of the series of the week. Yeah, uh, that was a kind of uh, yeah, it was probably the most impressive result of uh, the weekend of any team in conference. So Charlotte, I think Charlotte. I think now you kind of have three teams at the top for now that could change. But I think you look at USM, La Tech. Um, and Charlotte is your top three teams. And, of course, USM will play Charlotte next week. Yep. Uh, so you really have two back-to-back -back, uh, big uh, conference series. But I think Charlotte, uh, they're kind of getting their RPI in order. And I felt like they're kind of angling toward maybe being a bubble team when uh, the conference tournament rolls around. But that was a good series win uh, for Charlotte. Rice took two out of three at Marshall. FAU took two out of three at home. <laughs> I have it as WKU. Who did they actually play? I wrote it down wrong. They played UTSA. Um, yep. So FAU uh, took two out of three against UTSA, and then non-conference uh, Jacksonville State. We had several opponents uh, played each other yeah. um, this week. You had Jacksonville State and North Al. Um, you had ULL uh, Jacksonville State. Uh, I don't know if I said it. They swept North Al. You had ULL uh, playing South Al. ULL took two out of three in that, and then I didn't have it written down. But the other opponents that were playing each other were State and uh, Bama, and State took two out of three in that. But um, and then, yeah, the uh, the other weekend uh, opponent, Dallas Baptist, took two out of three versus Maryland. Maryland was top 25, and out Dallas Baptist is pretty much top 20 um, in every poll that I've seen, D1 Baseball America. I think they're top 20 in Massey now. So, yeah, Dallas Baptist, they got off to kind of a slow start. Uh, but, yeah, ever since that, I guess they that series against us, they've really uh, gotten it going and uh, kind of returning to um, 
to form uh, like people thought they were going to be. Um, so then uh, midweek, a uh, couple good games in the midweek on Tuesday. Uh, WVU and Marshall. Uh, Louisville goes to WKU. Um, FAU goes to UCF. And then DBU goes to La Tech. That'll be a game to watch if sure. you can find it on some kind of CUSA TV or a bootleg stream. We don't we don't condone a bootleg stream, but maybe <laughs> you can find one. You can watch DBU and La Tech on, uh, on that. But, uh, yeah, that's, that's see turn that game on at some point because um, that is um, both teams. Yeah, I mean, I guess in terms of RPI, I guess we'd want a lot of tech to win, but we'd play both three times. But I guess with a lot yeah. of tech in our conference, you'd rather a lot of tech win. I don't know. Um, but, yeah, and then this upcoming week, uh, ODU at FIU, Charlotte at UTSA, Marshall at UAB, WKU at MTSU, and FAU at Rice. So, I mean, it's really USM and, and a lot of tech is kind of the, um, the only major series between uh, – or I guess the only series between – you know, kind of the upper half of the conference playing each other. Although Charlotte, UTSA, keep an eye on that. And UTSA, it looks like they're decent. Uh, Charlotte's coming off that uh, big series win. Yeah. Um, and then non-conference, you got uh, North Isles hosting Central Arkansas. Jacksonville State's hosting Eastern Kentucky. Uh, ULL hosting Georgia Southern. DBU hosting Wofford. So not a whole lot of uh, huge non-conference – or not a, or non-conference opponents don't have a huge series. Although Georgia Southern does have a pretty good RPI at this point just because they, they play three games at Tennessee. That's probably helping them a little bit. Yeah. Um. So yeah, but that's it. Not a not a ton to add to that. I'm excited to talk about some Sunbelt baseball. Uh, oh yeah, there's there's some uh, there's I mean you know the the example everyone is using is Texas State as they've made a oh, yeah. huge jump and I don't know if you got to catch any of that series, but that was a really fun series. Texas State and Coastal Carolina went back and forth. Two really good baseball programs and. Uh, yeah, so I guess not. <laughs> I was just thinking about Sunbelt baseball the whole time you're talking about Conference USA, uh, but yeah, I think I think you're right on that. I think I think Old Dominion. A lot of people were thinking that maybe they were a little overrated because of the schedule early, and I think I think the, the result against Charlotte, Charlotte taking that series at Old Dominion is pretty indicative of that. It's it's going to be a tough series uh, next weekend. But you've you've got a little bit of baseball to play uh, before then. Anything else on baseball, Pat? Uh, I think CUSA was 10th in conference RPI, so it's uh, not as good as you would hope. You know, you kind of hope yeah. you're in the top five to seven, but, you know, you've seen CUSA getting around 12 or 13 years past, so it could be worse, could be better. Sure. But it's, it's okay for right now, top 10. Is this, At this point in the season, I feel like you've kind of become the resident RPI expert. <laughs> is, it, is, is it time to start looking at RPI? I think so. I mean, yeah, I, I think you can you can see some things in RPI. Um, I think at this point your RPI is in a good spot. If you, I mean, if you're in, if you're top forty by the time April rolls around, you're in a good position for at large. And if you sure. get on a roll here, you know you could be considered as a host. Even though we kind of talked about that DBU sweep, uh, definitely hurt your resume because um, those were three. You know, I mean, DBU is the number one RPI team in the country, and that would have been just big if you take one, especially if you take two. But um, yeah, I mean, I feel like in terms of RPI within the conference, I mean, I think you have. I would say you have three teams that have a maybe four. Old Dominion's RPI is not in a good shape right now. I think the three teams I'm really looking for that have um, the at-large chance, USM, La Tech, and Charlotte. Right. I think Charlotte has moved their way into the top 100. They're playing a little better. ODU has a little bit of catching up to do. Um, but, yeah, you can start looking at RPI a little bit. It's going to um, continue to stabilize, become a little more accurate, become more of a little uh, more sticky as an indicator. Um, but, yeah, RPI right now, you, you're 30 right now. Um, you're in a good spot. So, chance to improve it this weekend as well. All right, let's let's touch on a little football. Obviously, 
uh, as we talked about spring game this weekend. We talked about it a little bit before we started recording. There's not been a ton that's come out uh, about spring football. I think it's it's you're still sort of. I mean, part of it is you're still sort of in the implementation of the system process, and especially with all these transfers, it's a lot of just getting that in place and seeing what guys have. And there's, you know, you can take some out of spring football, obviously, just in terms of what what you have going into the fall. But there's, it's sort of been a little quieter. And um, I mean, I think one of the biggest things is you have close to the scholarship limit uh, on the roster. You're close to that 85 if you're not there, I don't think you're quite there. You might have a, a few minus that 85. Um, and that's part of what Coach Hall is, has talked about is we look like a Division One football team. We feel like we have some actual depth. And I think we'll see that uh, this Saturday at 10 a.m., right, Pat? Yes. All right, anything on uh, spring football that you're looking forward to? Yeah, I would say just kind of see what some of these transfers do, see what the other line. I mean, I guess you really beefed up the interior and the yes. portal process. So see what some of those guys look like. Also see what some of your freshmen look like. You talk about a guy like a Kenyon Clay. He's a guy I think um, Hall talked about, um, I believe, this is a guy who make an impact early just because yeah. he, he's already, he's what, he's six feet or six one, So he's got the size. Running back's a position where you can play early because, yeah. you, you know, you don't have, uh, it doesn't require the physical development yeah. that an offensive line or defensive line uh, position requires. And you really like that size in the running back room last year. I mean, he's, yeah. I think he's 215, something like that. You really didn't have that big kind of basher. Right. And then, I mean, obviously people are going to be looking at the quarterbacks. Sure. Um, you know, this Keys versus Wilkie battle. Um, see what else he got on. I mean, I guess you, you still have, um, you know, Lang. See what he can do for yeah. you. <laughs> sure. Um, but, yeah, I mean, Keys and Wilkie, that's kind of what people are going to be um, yep. watching out for. So, yeah, Hall's kind of talked about um you got talent in the quarterback room, but it's young. Well, this is another opportunity for those young guys to prove themselves yeah. uh, here in the spring game. So, yeah, and that was the case last year, and so it's uh, you know also he, still have Trey Luck. That's right, and he's been he's been kind of the steady presence the way Coach Hall has talked about him, and so yeah, you, your eyes will obviously be on those three guys and and how they throw the football and um, moving into into the fall. Uh, there are some really good things about Zach Wilkie. Actually, I got to meet him. Really nice kid, and and I'll be there covering it for BigGoldNation.com. We'll we'll break it down on the site. Uh, so if you're a member, head on over for some some coverage, and head on over to the the baseball park. You might have a little time to get some lunch after that, and then head oh over. yeah, you got like to Lenny's or somewhere. That's right. Free advertisement for Lenny's right there. <laughs> there you go. 10 a.m. start time for the spring football game. Baseball at two. I don't know why I can ever think of. It's always six, two, and one. Yes. Except, well, except on travel day, Sunday. Well, yeah, that we have that ten thirty game. Right. Yeah. Okay. So, well, two o'clock on on Saturday for uh, baseball for game two of that series. Really hope to to see you all out there. Uh, tell us hello if you see us out and about. Do we want to touch on? Well, we kind of have to touch on basketball. Yeah. Tyler Stevenson is your latest transfer. We'll see what you, we have for you uh, next week. And well, I guess one of two, one of our two latest transfers, Arthur Kanunsik. Uh, in the transfer portal as of this afternoon. Yes. And so that you're up to seven, seven total? Yes. Not good, Pat. Yes, you're down, or you're up to 74% of your production loss uh, from this year. So, and, you know, you, you got to think there's more coming. You kind of look at a guy like a Danaje Harris. Yeah. Um, he was really close to Stevenson. I guess they both played at New Hope together, so they kind of grew up together. 
Um, and then you, you kind of look, I mean, you would think, I guess, is Mark Jackson, I'm try, it's hard to even keep up Mark Jackson. You think he leaves? He, I mean, he's played a little bit for you. Yeah. Uh, you, you know, you always keep hearing the um, rumblings about Pinkney. So it's, you know, it's going to be a tear down of the studs type <laughs> rebuild. And uh, there, uh, uh, yeah. we were talking pre-recording, there was some transfer that said they had heard from Tar- – <laughs> We should, I need I need to do more preparation on this, but there was some guy a, a grad transfer from like Tarleton State. We actually had pretty good numbers. They had double sure. digits and points, but yeah. he had heard from USM and a couple other schools like USM. So I don't know. Yeah, they'd be landing a guy like that, but yeah, it's um, it's not getting any better. Not getting any better, folks. Tear it down to the studs. Rebuild in year four. Yeah, not great. Not great. And yeah, uh, I mean. Jackson or Jackson, however you pronounce it, came in. <laughs> yeah, it's it, it was kind of uh, it kind of came in with or because of Kanunsik, as as far as I know. So, yeah, you hope you can hold on to him. Uh, I think he's got some potential, but yeah, could see even more. Um, and yeah, I don't know. I don't. I, I hate to quit to keep hammering on this, but I think it's. I don't know. It's. It really is concerning to me that you've not really heard this be addressed by the basketball program and you really haven't heard from Jeremy McLean uh addressing this specifically or you know de- defending the decision to keep Jay Ladner for another year uh publicly there's been no press conference it's yeah. kind of been radio silence and yeah I don't know how that's come off to you but that's that that has been one of the more worrying things in this whole process to me is that you haven't heard anything from your leadership yeah, I agree. And um, McLean, he was on the uh, you know kind of the in-house podcast they do with uh, with Cox, and he's kind of saying like, yeah, you know, we, we expect some turnover, and it was a really tough year, and you know we've kind of challenged the step to use the portal. But I mean, you haven't. Other than that, I mean, I would really like to know why they extended that contract after the first year. Yeah. And uh, I think this is kind of when, like, you know, back in the day, the Hattiesburg American. I mean, you would have about ten sports writers on the Hattiesburg American, and one of them would usually, I mean, ask. I mean, they would kind of ask the questions, the hard questions. And I'm not – look, we have the media. We, have, we just don't have as much right. um, as we used to. So, it's just kind of tough. Well, it's uh, also not – there's not been availability either. No. No, there, you know, like you're saying, there hasn't been a press conference. Yeah. But, you know, I kind of miss the days of the Van Arnolds of the world. They would <laughs> they would get up in there, and this was like the 2000 when I first started reading the paper. Yeah. They'd break down the door of the duff. They would. I mean, and now just Gannett has <laughs> brought the American to his knees. But – um. Yeah, I, I would be very curious to hear just why, um, you know, from Abadie or um, Scott Watkins or sure. one of those guys, kind of like why or why did you extend the contract after year one? And I'm sure it's some kind of COVID deal, but I just want to hear hear yeah. from him himself as to why he did that. Because I think that's the reason why uh, Liner's coming back is because you just can't pay the, uh, the buyout because – we, he extended a year to make it worse a two-year buyout instead of one, and that's too much money to where, um, you know, the university can't, you know, write that. Uh, the university maybe can write a $325,000 check, but not a $650,000 check. Right. So, um, yeah. All right, Pat, that uh, pretty much wraps up what we have on our notes. Anything to add? Uh, I think that is it. Just be on the lookout, like Ben said at the beginning for that uh, the interview with the JMU guys. So. Yeah, it, yeah, again, we'll tweet that out. And I'm going to try uh, to put that on our feed as well so y'all can listen to it. Uh, also want, yeah, go check out their feed as well. So we'll, we'll put all that info out, and we really do hope to see y'all out at uh, the Pete this weekend and in the Rock for the spring game. going to be a whole lot of fun 
here in Hattiesburg. My name is Ben Milam. That's my partner, Patrick McGee. This has been Buzzardry, sponsored, as always, by BigGoldNation.com. We'll see you next time. This has been Buzzardry. Thanks for listening, and be sure to share and leave a review. You can find us on Twitter and Facebook at Buzzardry Pod for all you need to know about the show. See you next time.